that's our scintillating theme song from Jim Drake, who lives in Chicago, Carl. I will be spending lots of time in Chicago soon. I know. I was talking to your wife and daughter about uh, Maggie just <laughs> found out about her roommates. Yeah. So, like, my wife and daughter have seen all of these things, and I haven't. And you've spent more time with them in the last week than I have because I've been fishing in Canada. I caught a 29 and three quarters inch walleye, which I was very proud of. And everybody else was jealous. Wow. Did you guys uh, eat them or send them back or what did you do? Both. We caught our limit. And once we caught the limit, then we could start eating it. It was great. It was I, I love doing it. And I'm happy every time I am privileged enough to go. That's right. We'll talk to our guest, Taylor Grunlow, about the Tesseract Theater Company. And then around minute 28, we'll talk about Mr. Malcolm's List. Around minute 33, Rise. Around minute 37, Endangered. Around minute 41, the movies we did not get to see, Minions, Beavis and Butthead, and The Princess. And around minute 48, we'll do a preview of Thor, Love and Thunder. And then around minute 51, the theater roundup. Well... I'm having a staycation for the 4th of July, but happy birthday, America. And uh, we have uh, one of our homegrown playwrights with us today, Taylor Grunlow. Hello, Taylor. Hello, Lynn and Carl. Thanks for having me. Of course. We love it. We've been trying to get you on. Carl, he has an even crazier schedule than we do because he teaches at, I'm going to screw up the name, in Rolla. And what's the new name of the college? S&T, Science yeah. and Technology. Yeah, University of Missouri, uh, Science and Technology. Or I think they're switching to uh, Missouri University of Science and Technology. They're kind of rebranding right now. Huh. From what I understand. I, 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 one of my daughters, actually several of my daughter's friends are going there and they're becoming scientists. So that's good. That is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful uh, a thing for the women. And also, Taylor does great work. He has built up this theater program pretty much from scratch, I take it, correct? Yeah, it was. There wasn't a lot of student involvement when I sort of took over. And then we had one semester and then COVID hit. And so I think everybody's semi starting from scratch here uh you know in 2021 2022 um but we've in the last 18 months man we grew it like 300 percent increase in student involvement student like paid student admission to these shows has increased it's 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 kind of cool down there right now well you did heathers i know that because i saw the pictures and there was so much so many kids and and you post the pictures and it's just so exciting to see kids involved in that at uh yeah yeah, we had a 32 uh, cast size for uh, Legally Blonde this spring as well. So a lot of mad scientists and evil geniuses can like really <laughs> act right now. That's so fun because it's such an outlet too. you know, I always think the arts feed all uh, feed all professions. So and arts to challenge us, as we know this week, Carl, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but uh, uh, you are um, I first knew taylor because he wrote a play about the situation in north county and uh it's called purple heart city so it takes and because he you grew up near cold water creek is that correct yeah north county there uh, like Lindbergh, old Hallsbury area 
And so he took uh, elements of the crisis with a, a personal story of it. And so it is now published. It's oh. like you can uh, you can buy the book and you can do the show. Yeah, Next Stage Press. They got it for you. So, and then his Tesseract Theater Company would do small, interesting works that nobody else did. And I saw the uh, really spectacular play called Mama's Boy about the mother of Lee Harvey Oswald. And oh, it wow. was fantastic. And uh, there's been all sorts of plays that I've been introduced to from the Tesseract Theater Company. And then Taylor has also, what is the, prescription drug play that is on audible now what's the name of that that's called adverse effects yeah so you can you can hear his play on audible when you're driving yeah i, I love listening to books on tape except now my question to this would be is it a full cast production or is it just a single reader no, it's a full cast. We went out wow. to a studio in Virginia. It's got seven cast members and no sort of narrator. So it just bleeds from scene to scene. So it's kind of a, a theatrical experience for your ears. Smart. Well, you actually have a play coming up right now at Tesseract, Length of a Pop Song, which does that mean that the play is only three and a half minutes long? Ha, uh, no. Uh, yeah, no. I think you. I think audience might wish, but. Uh, <laughs> well, you wrote it. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's running about 90 minutes. I would, I think it's going to come in around 90 minutes. We still have a week to kind of tech and fine tune everything like that. Um, but the actors we have for this one are phenomenal. We have uh, local legends, Donna Peroni, um, Kelvin uh, Erday and Rhiannon Sky Crichton. And it's directed by Kieran Pierce, who's a staple with a lot of theater communities uh, or theater companies right now in, in the community. Um, and it's, it's, it's becoming really good. It's getting really tight in rehearsals and I can't wait for people to see it. And, and you know what my joke, three and a half minutes, thanks to TikTok, Actually, pop songs are shorter now. They're like two minutes long because that's all you can fit on a TikTok. Yeah, we kind of discussed that in the play a little bit, um, uh, you know, and the, the title comes from the kind of the idea of a song really sort of catching you um, and you being in a world and then you being in a whole other world, like right after. Like, how do you hold on to that feeling um, that this song is sort of saving you from or giving you? And the show, the show is going to open on the 8th. So you, you have another week to get out all the bugs. I don't think there are any bugs. I think you're, you're right there, aren't you? No, uh, we, we just got <laughs> the lighting designer in there last night, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to look really pretty. We have to re-block. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like too good too early. So we have to throw wrenches in their plants to keep them busy. A horrible well, dress rehearsal means a great play. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm excited that you're going to be in the Marcel because previously you were in the Dot Zach and you always had interesting staging mm -hmm. on that space. Well, the Assassins guys are going to be in the Dot Zach. So this is exciting because a grand center is going to be a buzz with activity because St. Louis Actors Studio is having the Neil Labute new play festival, our new works festival. And Neil himself writes one short play every year for this fest now they haven't had it since uh they were going to have it in 2020 so the plays this year are the ones from the 
2020 national selection. And then this is called St. Louis. And uh, his work is always provocative and, and produces a lot of uh, discussion. Let's put it like that. And so, but these are playwrights from well, around he, the country. He hadn't written a play. Well, I'm saying like, since there wasn't one, there haven't been one for three years. Does that mean that there are three Labute plays then? No. Oh, cheater. He should have mm -hmm. done one any one every year anyway. No, but there's been some really good ones. One was called Pandar about a, a vet that that you see have a it's a different take. And, and then one was um, called, oh, I don't know, but it was about um, uh, a Hitler apologist. Mm. So they're interesting, but but these are works from across the country. And the Greg Carter Lewis, who is at WashU, who is a playwright, has had several plays in it. So these are people that um, have an interesting take on life and things. And it's always like Spencer Sickman's one of the directors, and it has a uh, superb cast of characters. Just like Taylor has a certain troupe that he works with that. They're really good and they're all in sync. And I've seen Donna in many plays at Tesseract and Kelvin and Rihanna. Rhiannon. 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 Yeah. The White she Witch. Was, yeah, she was very impressive the last time. So I think it's worth going out now. Now, this next batch of plays, we're going to have a lot of small companies do interesting works but fit it in because like taylor said it's only 90 minute play it's not that hard grand center's right there and i think st louis is really starting to understand in some of the companies that do a lot of new plays that it takes a certain type of actor to be in a new play to be in that rehearsal process asking the right kind of questions uh, making the kind of choices that bring out uh, subtext that might not be big inside you know uh, in the dialogue yet and like working with a playwright to sort of keep developing it through the process and I think those actors are always going to be great to watch because they know how to make big choices really early so I'm excited for St. Louis to keep growing in its uh, passion for new plays and I hope that trickles over to an audience uh, and their fervor for new plays. Oh your first weekend is the length of a pop song and then the when does uh when do you switch to the the other play yeah so length of a pop song is the first two weekends so july 8th through the 17th and then all that remains a new play by jm chambers um that deals with uh aftermath of a school shooting uh will run um july 22nd to the 31st so all four weekends in july here we're gonna have we're gonna have stuff pumping out all at the marcel all at the Marcel, uh, the wonderful space. Um, if you've seen a New Line musical in there, you've probably had a good time. Um, it's it's just a nice, pleasant space uh, to take in with great parking right there on Samuel Shepard Drive. It's easy. It's very accessible. It is. It's very easy to park. And you're right next to Urban Chestnut, FYI. Make yeah. a day or night of it. And also uh, you um, like free parking, totally free parking. And uh, you're far enough, but it's very well lit and you have a lot. And Kranzberg, it's the Kranzberg Arts Foundation Theater. Yeah, it's part so of it's the, in that family. 
Yeah, it's so nice being a resident company inside that sort of foundation. And it's really cool to be able to like, I have a I have a new play, you know what, and it'll work well in the Marcel, or I have this really experimental new play, and it would work in the dot Zach with their kind of like setup. So it's really cool to be a resident company doing new plays with this like versatile theater venue selection. Um, so it's really cool. And I think our audiences are really excited about it. And if they go to the Dazak and we say, hey, our new one's in the Marcel, they come over to the Marcel and I'm like, hey, we're in that Kranzberg Art Center studio now. They go right over there. Um, so it's great that the audiences have been forming a relationship with the theater companies and don't mind jumping to venue. I think they're up for the adventure. Which is great. And I see we're, we're uh, after the pandemic, I know you guys, everybody had had to regroup and start again and it's still a little shaky at some points because uh we had kirkwood theater guild just had to shut down their their singing in the rain because they had such a an outbreak and then cherokee street theater also had to shut down the kill bill parody and mm -hmm. reschedule and then the black rep next week is starting don trail kissed by the sea which they were supposed to do in january Oh, wow. And, and, I know, it's and I know New Line missed a whole weekend of you're in town, which I kind of, I think kind of hurt. Yeah, well, that, and that was fabulous. Well, what's well, so interesting is like, as much theater as we're having this, this uh, summer, it's very different. And uh, overall, I would say 98% of it is really interesting and people are surprising and doing really good work, which is always exciting because this is St. Louis. You know, I'm always like telling people, we don't need New York people coming in and telling us how to do theater. 100%. I think you're, I think everybody's seeing us fight for our stories right now. We had a couple of years where we couldn't put them up and now we're like, I don't want to go through that again. I never want our stories to be taken away from us again or our uh, our relationship with an audience. So I think you're seeing us celebrate the fact that we're back and, and fighting to keep it that way. Yeah, and people appreciate it, I think too. And you're known for your different type of work. So what drives you as a playwright? Because you always got something going. Um. I'm really big into the idea of paying attention right now. I believe, I've always thought theater and new plays was about, hey, we're not talking about this thing over here enough and let's, let's talk about it some more. And not in like a message way, but more in a digestive sort of way. I think I, I kind of follow the motto that, you know, statistics make us aware of a problem, but art helps us digest it. Um, and I think our social media just keeps us aware and we're just assaulted by statistics and the awareness of a, a problem. But it's art is where you're going to find the solutions. You're going to have a relationship with a character and you get to ask yourself, would I do that? How would I do that differently? You can't do that from a Facebook post. Um, so I'm always like, what's going on? And right now with having this huge relationship with these 18 to 21 year olds at the college and seeing what they're going through and our university had a slew of incidences of self-harm um, with students. And, you know, and I'm like, we all know that's a problem, but I found, and this is what length of a pop song is really about. I found that people were struggling with not knowing what to say to each other. The people who might've uh, committed some self-harm, the people who were around 
uh, people who committed self-harm or just unsure of what to say to those trying to help the other individuals, all this sort of confusion of like, what words do we have to help people? Because I think we're all coming to a conclusion that our words aren't enough. Um, so that's kind of what I'm into right now. Like, can we get people excited to, he to hear conversations about things that we need to pay attention to? It's a great, it's a great topic too. You can go to uh, tesseracttheater.com for all the information, and that's theater with an R-E. So what's coming up at, at Brawla this year? What are you going to be working on with kids? Man, it's so exciting right now. I'm like so excited to talk about what's going down at the uh, theater at Missouri S&T um, because I've been made tenure track uh, this this year, which is as a young academic in theater, I was like, that's not that's not a thing in the cards. Um, but we did so much cool stuff over the last 18 months that they were like, let's keep you around. Uh -huh. and and I got to congratulations. Talk Thank you. I got to talk them into guest artists. That was my big thing. And they're so supportive of it. So I have a recent graduate that gets to come in and direct She Kills Monsters. So like every university around the country has done She Kills Monsters, but this highly like we wear at Missouri S&T, we wear that geek nerd label on, on a patch on our shoulders here. And they haven't had She Kills Monsters on that campus. So having a Dungeons and Dragons play come up with a recent graduate, um, you know, a woman directing that play on this big stage is going to be exciting. Um, we're doing Kinky Boots in April, um, which is really exciting. We're doing uh, a musical called Broadbend, Arkansas, that a student was like, I'd really like to do this. And I was like, well, there's no reason we shouldn't be able to do this. So they're letting me use the black box as this huge laboratory, and I'm letting the kids just go wild. Um, I had a directing student who was like, I really like to play Harvey. And I was like, well, if I buy the rights, will you direct it in December? And they're like, okay. Um, okay. So yeah, my big thing there is, and I'm noticing that these students are making the choice to go to a science and tech university because that's where they're going to be able to get a job, right? And I always thought like, oh, they're going there. That's their path that they chose. But I'm seeing that their reluctance in like, and their, they wanted a creative outlet. Like they kind of came in like after COVID. I know we're not really after COVID, but we're starting to do shows again. They were like, I still want this artistic expression. I still want to be involved. And so I am bound and determined to show them that they can still have really high quality theater experiences while they're getting their engineering degree. They can do musicals with like professional microphones and a big set and a lot of lights and small intimate black box settings with like the theory sort of added to it. So I'm kind of over their shoulder asking them questions, you know, like, what are you thinking about here? What are you thinking about? And it's not just rinky dink theater that we're putting up there. Um, and I think the students are excited for that challenge. These are students that are like fueled by challenge, right? They're in the science and tech uh, arena. So we got a lot of cool stuff going on and the fact that other students are coming and paying to see it is really exciting the students want to celebrate their peers um which is what i'm most excited about in that community down there right now well that is really cool because obviously you want to see it you know yeah. because uh when i you know i often talk about because illinois state uh university where i went uh, the founders of the Steppenwolf Theater Company were in the theater department, but at the time they weren't the main stage regulars like Judith Ivey and Gary Cole were on the main stage. 
the Gary Cole and uh, other people. And, and, and so they were doing check off on the main stage, but then this little ragtag group of uh, theater majors that were on fire, they wanted to do these experimental shows. So they were doing studio things and it was all about them. Like what plays are we gonna do? Who's gonna be what? It was all about the character and the unit. It wasn't about them. It was about each other. And, and their work was just electric. And uh, they did a production of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest that went to the play festival in, in Washington, DC. Anyway, long story short, you know, to fire <laughs> up people that they're not at Michigan, they're not at NYU, they're not at Carnegie Mellon. They are being resourceful with what they have and it's still a wonderful learning experience. Taylor, yeah. what is the website for the Rolla Theater? Um, you want to go to alp.mst.edu. ALP is the Arts Language Philosophy uh, Department. Ah. So it's a bunch of artists and minors because we don't have a theater major. So nobody's going there to get a theater education. So it's I mean, fun. Yeah, we get to do whatever we want. Nobody's trying to prove what they already know. It's just this arena to celebrate emotions and activate empathy and, and just kind of be social as well. Um, but they have something they want to say about their existence right now. And these students are just taking these texts and running with it. And it's- well, so which, is, which is because it'll feed, it'll build and it'll feed off of each other. Because mm -hmm. I think people right now really want a connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think the pandemic has taught us in this post, I call it the post-vaccine pandemic. We had the pre-vaccine pandemic, we had the post-vaccine pandemic, because we're still in it. But I do think people really crave that. And I think if you can get that with people and then have a connection, that's what people, yeah. It's just, it's a beautiful thing to see live theater and to see people that are so energetic, because young people have this energy that we don't have <laughs> and uh how now because you make me want to go drive to Rolla to see your shows so how far is it from St. Louis it's less than 90 minutes yeah if you're like right on yeah if you're right on 44 um it depends on how heavy your your right foot is um but <laughs> Yeah, I can usually get from, uh, I taught at Webster, I taught playwriting at Webster this last uh, spring. And so I was getting from Webster campus to Rolla campus in uh, about 90 minutes. My wife is from St. James. And so I, I know that drive very well. Nice. And there's a pie restaurant in uh, Rolla. Is, is that correct? Yes, slice of pie is famous. Um, and if you that's a reason to go down there a little early and shovel some uh, chocolate cream pie in your face before you go see the production. Um, uh, uh, do you know Grace Langford? She's a new line uh, theater staple. That's yes. her MO. She, she gets down there and uh, goes to the pie shop real quick. Yeah, because I went to uh, Ozark Theater musical a couple of years ago. A friend of mine was in it, and and we were on the way. He goes, "You got to, you got to get pie in the Rolla." Nice. Yeah, Nicole, my wife's grandmother was in Rolla. If we were going to eat while she was alive, it was there, not anywhere, any restaurant. <laughs> 
Yeah, Ozark Actors Theater, they, uh, they're using a lot of students uh, for interns this year. I don't know about a lot, that might be over-exaggerating, but they're using some, some students, yeah, for, uh, for their interns for their uh, program this summer. And it's professional programming equity contracts out there. It's so cool that that, that musical um, and summer series is going on uh, uh, in the middle of Rolla during the summer. It's, uh, they're always good productions. Yeah, no, they are. I was really impressed. It's in a church, Carl. It's in this. Mm-hmm. It's, it's in this redone church, and it's really professional, and uh, it's very exciting. And Taylor Lauterman's on the board there. Just FYI, Urban Missouri. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Taylor, someday I hope to see your name on more plays and productions, and I look forward. I'm going this weekend schedule willing so i'll report but no it's always it's always pleasant to see what you have what you have you have something to say and how you say that's what i try to tell new playwrights i'm like as long as you know you have something to say and you're offering a solution to a problem you're already ahead of the game people don't have to take that solution but if you're at least offering a type of solution you're you're the new play is already ahead of uh, of most of its uh, contemporaries and then uh, Carl uh, Taylor has a daughter who, and he takes her to concert. Carl was on the concert tour this summer of t- or this year of taking his daughter to see Elton John and Rolling Stones and Billy Nelson was last week, and then Paul McCartney was two weeks ago. So what what do you have in plan, you and your daughter? What are you gonna? You know, she's seen five productions of Legally Blonde in the last 12 months. Any musical, she's down to see it. So she's going to Assassins on July 4th. They're doing like a 4th of July, 4 p.m. Yes, show. They, 1776. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, an afternoon show, too. Yeah, we're really excited about checking that out. Um, I, 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 we might go down to Oat to see Mamma Mia. Um, that just opened last night. So any musical she's down for. We took her to see Beetlejuice in New York uh, this summer. It was her first Broadway oh. uh, musical. And I'll Did you see you- Elizabeth Teeter in it as Lydia? Uh, yes. We saw an understudy for Beetlejuice who was phenomenal. Um, it couldn't, yeah, I, I was like, I don't want to see it without that guy any ever again. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Teeter who played uh, Lydia was knockout and the cool thing i love about that beetlejuice because i was like oh it's just another 80s movie made into a musical this is all we're doing but it knows what it wants to say in 2022 it wants it wants to celebrate that this younger generation is okay talking about death in a lot of different facets humor sincerity over so all of a sudden it was like a new musical in 2022 based on an 80s property but it was talking about stuff going on today that's it just it won me over that that musical isn't it funny how musicals have a tend to way to be ahead of their time and then also representative of their time? Because when I saw you're in town at New Line a couple of weeks ago, it was like, this is even more relevant now. Oh, right. I want to see somebody bring back Dirty Dancing, the musical. I think that's like tied up in some weird lawsuit based on the uh, research I just did. But I'm like, that's really topical right now. And I would like to see some people do that one. Or Xanadu. Xanadu didn't get a did, didn't get a run. It was on Broadway forever, and then it didn't really travel. Yeah, sometimes when I see that, I'm always like, is there something wrong with the rights? Like, is somebody holding on to those things? I'm like, so I don't know. Well, thank you so much for your time. Have a happy fourth. And um, uh, yeah. Break legs. Thank you. Keep you us got- posted 
on what you guys to do. Well. we'll do. We'll do. I Thanks. will. I will send you some young theater uh, folks that are that I know who go to S and T. You know what? If anybody's listening to this, uh, contact at tesseracttheater.com. Shoot me an email and I'll give you some free tickets. Boom. Oh, thank you. I just want to pad that space. You know, let's go. Excellent. Build thank house. you, Taylor. Cool. Build All right. Well, you guys have a good rest of your day. Good rest you of your day. Thank you. So great to see you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right. So, Lynn, you got to see a whole bunch of movies this week and I saw nothing. So, well, I meant to text you. I did not see Minions. Oh, I, I am so curious about this movie. And my daughter said, I don't want to see that. And so she didn't. So she, you, you guys got to hang out at Thor, which we'll talk about next week because that's when I'm going to see it. What did you see? Did you see Mr. Malcolm's list? I did. And, and? Uh, if you watch Bridgerton, it's a knockoff of Bridgerton. Really? But not exactly. And it was actually written before because it's from a novel by Suzanne Elan. And uh, she wrote the screenplay. It's directed by a woman, uh, Emma Holly Jones. So it's her first production. So it's female forward. Uh, the beautiful and talented Frida Pinto yes. is the object of Mr. Malcolm's affection. And she's in on a scheme by her best friend who's in a 19th century Regency romance period. Let's just call her a mean girl. And she's played by Zowie. Oh gosh, what I have my notes somewhere. And I a Zowie Ashton. Zowie, I thought it was Ashton. Zowie Ashton. And she plays this girl who was spurned by Mr. Malcolm and she wants to take revenge. So she if has you wa I watch I watched the trailer for this. I was very intrigued when I when I saw this. I'm like, oh, this is this seems very uh it's highbrow already, but it's also very like Jane Austen or uh yeah, that yeah. kind it, of it, stuff. it's it's very chaste. It doesn't have the Bridgerton sex scenes let's put it like that so it's chased but and it's very witty written i would have preferred uh some comeuppance to some people in the i'm not going to spoil it some characters i thought shopi derisu as mr malcolm's very good there's two other british actors oliver jackson cohen who usually plays a cad he was a nina's husband in the lost daughter and that was played by dakota Ew. johnson Ew. Ew. and he and he is and then theo james who's uh on the time traveler's wife on hbo naked a lot he plays uh a, another suitor well so it's very proper it's beautiful costumes beautiful setting they're all trying to get mates you know it's that whole thing so she's uh, Susan Elaine. She self-published in 2009, and then it was so successful that uh, a Berkeley Press said, "Hey, let's release this," at, you know, through a big publishing house. Yeah. So, so it was a book. It is. A, it so, is a. Yeah. It is a success story. Yes, and also it's colorblind casting. I don't think we're supposed to say colorblind casting anymore. So it's non-traditional casting. Why, and why it doesn't diverse. Yes, diverse casting. It does not deter. Does that make it historically inaccurate? Well, if you're going to get technical, but 
you know. Well, the, I don't, not? I don't, I don't mind it either way. I don't care who, as long as the acting is good. I don't care who plays yeah, what. No, they're all fine. They're all fine. It's, uh, it's, it's just that whole Regency setting: women, men, fortunes, trying to land uh, spouses. Frida Pinto doesn't work enough, I don't think. But no, she doesn't. She should have a much bigger career than she has. She is radiant and beautiful and such a sincereness that comes, a sincerity that comes across in all her performances. And I was watching her last, I was like, why doesn't she work more? She's an executive producer on this. See, if you can EP, you can do projects that you have a stake. She's been in some mini series that have flown under the radar. Uh, she was besides Slumdog Millionaire, which is where we first saw her. Right. Uh, she's done Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, she was in that. Uh, she was in that. Your favorite movie, Hillbilly Elegy. Yeah, I know. I would like to uh, forget that because isn't she the the fiance? I I didn't see it. You talked me out of seeing it. So oh well. No. And now. <laughs> No, no. Two hours but she, of my life. She works. She she's also a Disney princess because, well, actually, she's a queen on uh, Disney Channel's uh, Mira Royal Detective. So she's she's working. You're just not seeing her. Right. Right. But after this, I was like, we should see her more often. Yes. And uh, and the other actors are all so everybody's good. I gave it a solid B. I just thought it should. Uh, uh, the plot just you know it wraps up in a bow well yeah it's if it's based on the book and she adapted it any little tweaks she made was you know it's been what 11 years since she wrote it so i think the performances and the writing stand out the direction's okay you know it's just but it's a pleasant summer diversion if you are looking for that kind of thing and after bridgerton people love this uh this genre well, let, let's move on. Did you finally watch Rise? I did. And? I have practiced. I'm going to screw this name up. I have practiced and practiced this name, Anticopo. Okay. Did I say that right? I have no idea. Anti I just know it, it's on Disney+. Plus. Yes. It is the true story of the family who produced three NBA stars that are brothers. All, all world champions. Yes. Uh, Costas is with the Lakers. Uh, Thanasis is with the Bucks with his brother, who's the most famous one because he's two-time MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo. They are from their family with Nigerian roots. Their parents left Nigeria for Istanbul, and then they fled Istanbul to Athens, Greece. So they grew up in Greece. They were denied citizenship because it's a very antiquated and racist kind of a way that you have to get citizenship. So they were uh, illegal aliens, which prevented a lot. And yes. it, it really threw a wrench into their basketball success. But here's this six foot nine kid on the playgrounds of Athens and people start taking notice. And uh, the two brothers, the oldest ones, they're played by twins. This oh, is good. whole, this is a Nigerian company. It's Nigerian actors. It's Nigerian director, cinematographer, composer, 
it's all this. It is your standard formula biopic, but the strength of this family. Well, the story itself, you don't right. really have to do a lot of dramatic license. It happens. No, no it's, it's like the Kurt Warner story. It's made for Hollywood because uh, it ends with the 2013 NBA draft. And even if you don't know what happens, I think it, uh, this is entertaining, but I knew, you know, because if you saw the NBA championships two years ago, I mean, you know who Giannis Antetokounmpo is. And so uh, it still produces a lump in the throat. The family stuck together through all this. They were a package deal, uh, their unity. So this movie is geared about family and faith and believing in your dreams and living out your dreams and also not doing things for expediency. Like they kept with the, the one unproven agent who first spotted Giannis and said, hey, I'll take you on. And they go, oh, how many clients do you have? And they go, well, you're the first. <laughs> and they they stuck with him, even though these flashier guys that want nothing to do with those brothers uh, at first come calling with, you know, cash in envelopes. And uh, they were like, no, we're going to stick with the guy that brought us here. And so he's the one that feels the, the uh, opportunity for the NBA draft. So it's very interesting. And it's fun to see the NBA scouts and managers tussle. It's not as slick as uh, hustle. Right. The, the Netflix movie with Adam Sandler. Right. It's not as uh, good of basketball action as that, but hmm. it's still, it still checks all the boxes of a rousing family friendly inspiring sports biopic disney plus yes and the movie that made me most mad this week was i watched endangered on hbo it's executive produced by ronan farrow it's a documentary by heidi ewing and rachel grady and they did the they were oscar nominated for jesus camp okay oh i saw jesus camp yeah with the and, girl from uh, with the girl from Stranger Things, is that right? Yeah. Uh -huh, okay. Uh -huh. So this is uh, a look at journalism in jeopardy around the globe, and it starts. Uh, it's set at the time of the pandemic, and then it goes up to the January sixth insurrection, mm -hmm. and it follows uh, uh, two photographers and two reporters. And uh, their stories are harrowing because a violence against journalists has increased all over the globe. In Mexico City, where this photographer is covering all the violence against women, there have been 120 journalists die since 2004 in Mexico, 90% unsolved. So these journalists are dealing with uh, everything from intimidation to physical mm -hmm. violence. And uh, there's a woman in Brazil who dares to speak out against the dictator like Bolsonaro. And uh, 
his nickname in the real world is Trump of the Tropics. Hmm. And he was going on, oh, coronavirus is a fantasy. And he uh, slandered this woman by saying she was only getting information through sex. And he, she took him to court and she won damages. The court awarded her damages from Good. this guy. But this is like a neo-fascism regime. So it talks, it shows about how all this rise of this authoritarianism is affecting journalists uh, to tell the story and uh, the birth of the fake news, the conspiracy theories, the disinformation campaigns. And uh, it's also at a time where newsrooms are diminishing, roles are diminishing, papers are folding. This guy from The Guardian, Oliver Laughlin, goes to a newsroom in uh, Youngstown, Ohio, where they had a three-story press. And uh, the paper shutdown is the biggest town in America to lose a daily newspaper. And he talks to people about, don't you want accountability? It's basically framed as journalists are making politicians accountable and when you take that away corruption rises so what is next when when uh, all this is happening in the world colliding food for thought but it's only an hour and a half and it's on hbo max and i suspect it'll be on cnn when they always do those great documentaries right yeah all right so tell me you watched the princess. Uh, I will tell you my tale of woe about the princess. I started uh -huh. watching it and it quit. Then I went back, rebooted, but it made me start from the beginning again. So I did that. I started from the beginning again and then it quit again. And I was like, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. No, I was like, third time's a you know, charm. And I thought, I'm just going to wait till it starts on, on Hulu mm -hmm. today. Now, and is so it on I Hulu or Disney it. Plus? It's on Hulu. It's okay. 20th Century Fox. Right. A studio that's production. But it's, it's, you know, through Disney. But it's on Hulu. And I thought, I'll just watch it in its full run. So I don't have to deal with watching the beginning again. It is Joey King. And she is kicking ass. I love yes. Joey King. As this princess, like for the first five minutes will give you an idea of this movie. She's locked. Well, in a luckily castle. you saw those first five minutes twice. So, yes, she's locked in a castle. Uh, by her awful fiance, Dominic Cooper, mm. who plays the son of a former king and he's a sociopath. <laughs> and uh, he wants to marry this girl and she ditches him at the altar. So he locks her up and he takes his, her family ca uh, captive. So her job is to save the kingdom. Okay. And she is a one woman fighting machine. So I don't know how that happened in <laughs> way back when. Yeah. How she knows how to use chains and knives and karate moves. I don't know. I always like Joey King. 
Yes, she's very likable. And I wonder if they're going to make a series out of this. I was thinking maybe they're preparing everybody for having this adventure. Because right now, I don't understand it. But the royal, uh, royal tales are really big. Yeah. You've seen like four of them this month. And uh, the, the sidekick is very good. The woman who's playing her basically assistant in mowing down all the guys, all the bad guys. Okay. So, I, yeah. I, so I guess I, that's I, on your list to, th- to see. <laughs> yeah, well, I was curious about it because Disney kept sending me emails about it and I was in Canada and didn't get to open any of them. So I, I could only see the two lines in the headline on my phone. And I said, oh, this might be interesting, but it's out now. So and please, 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 please tell me you watch Beavis and Butthead. I did not have time, Carl. I suddenly realized I suddenly realized, oh, my God, I missed it. I mean, it's on, but on Paramount Plus, Plus. which, which I don't have. And I asked them for a link so I could watch it. And they said, we don't have links, which is weird. Well, I asked uh, Sean actually at Allied the other day. I said, hey, with all this stuff on Paramount Plus, do you think the the rep that does Paramount's going to start giving us access like we have for Disney Plus and Apple Plus? And he said, and I don't said think no. that's in the cards yet. So I'm going to see what I can do because like Jerry and Marge go large, which is very entertaining. Right. Uh, I had a watch when it came on Paramount Plus, the, the opening date. So then, you know, the reviews later, I mean, it's still there. But then also I had to, um, for the offer, like, you know how we get all these series like Disney yes. sends us Ms. Marvel and, and Obi-Wan and, and all that. And Amazon just sent me uh, a league of their own, which doesn't start till August. Yeah, Amazon's really good at sending like whole series at yes. a time. And so we get all this access to these things and then some people we don't ever hear from. Now, HBO, which is really weird, I get access to the documentaries. But not the narratives. No. It's all right. So, you know, we got to work. We got, I guess I got to. If they send- don't want us to talk about their stuff, then don't send us. Yeah, well, I try to keep up because right now we're in a phase at the studios where it's just going to be a bunch of animated movies this next month. Yeah, I I I I want to see Minions because it's really not Minions. It's more like a Despicable Me prequel. So I'm and it has everybody. Julie Andrews is in it. Russell Brand is in it. Steve Carell is in it. And then the Minions are. um. Our good friend, Glenn McCoy, yes, who's going to be on our show July 29th when his Super Pets right. movie comes out. He worked on this Minions movie as he has all the Despicable movies. Yeah, he's got a copy of it, I bet. He could send it to us. And he um, said, as you know, when I talked to him to set up when he was available, he said, uh, this Minions movie has been done for two years you know it was supposed to come out they wanted it in theaters right and so he thinks it turned out really well he's very proud of extra time to work on it 
So he was a storyboard artist, which is which is what he did. Now, um, in the first Pets movie, of The Secret Life of Pets, he directed the Minion short that precludes before it. it. Yep, mm-hmm. yes. and which is really funny and typical Glenn. So I'm just glad that he's part of Illumination, that he gets to work on these projects, and he's and he's still, still doing the duplex. Yes. In case you don't know who Glenn McCoy is and what the duplex is, it is what the kids don't know as a comic strip. Yes. So um, it's very interesting to see. um, I look forward to the I love the voice cast of the pets. Mm -hmm. And so it'll be interesting to see the addition of the D.C. superheroes. Speaking yeah. of superheroes, we cannot talk about Thor because the um, the embargo is July 5th for reviews. However, well, I, mm-hmm. the social embargo is is uh, cool. So I tweeted and I'll tell you what I tweeted <gasps> that uh, it is uh, it's a whole lot of fun. And it's Taika's take. So it gets a little too goofy at times, but heart, humor, heroics, Hemsworth. And and my daughter said it's a little convoluted with all the multiverse crap. Yeah, this multiverse is just getting me. But Christian (laughs) Bale is very good as the uh, villain. I mean, and I think also, I think also, because uh, the cast is some Oscar winners here. Uh, Natalie Portman, Russell Crowe, Christian Bale. You have elevated performances. Yeah, but, but that's all I'm going to say. They used be- to have Anthony Hopkins. So they, they've always had. I mean, the first one was directed by Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't see the first one, Carl. I know. Blasphemy. <laughs> But then how do you know what's going on in the fourth one? Because I think I've seen enough Thor. Oh, and I found it. Well, we got it. We can't talk about it, but that's what you're I not put on allowed social. to talk about it. No, I just told you what I put on Twitter. OK, that's enough. there's two end credits you got to stay for. Just I put two? that on Twitter. So just two. Yeah. And I but they're really good. And okay. uh, I am. Um, I said that and I sent my tweet, my tweet to Sean just to show him this is what I said. So I didn't spoil anything. I'm never going to spoil anything. There is a big surprise. A big surprise. And I didn't spoil it, but according to Bats, the Internet spoiled it. And I was like, why would you why would you pay attention to the Internet the day you're seeing the show? Right. I'm going to try not to be spoiled before I see it next week because it's a huge surprise and it was really fun to see. And I just am really pissed off at whoever spoiled it because it's like, Oh, deny people that, you know, what kind of people are these denying? (sighs) It's all right. It's okay. Well, um, a lot of people aren't going to be going to movies like anybody I, I know some, a lot of people will be taking their kids to go see Minions, but they are probably also going to watch 
like five hours of Stranger Things. It crashed Netflix earlier today because the second batch of season four came out, which is just two episodes, but they're all like longer than two hours. So Netflix crashed today for a lot of people trying to watch the end of Stranger Things. Well, well, I figure that's going to be a lot of people's uh, on to-do list for the holiday weekend. Uh, Chris Pratt's limited series came on Amazon, the terminal list. Uh, Taylor Kitsch is in it. Poor Taylor. After Friday Night Lights, he has made pretty much what I consider bad. <laughs> bad choices. Mm-hmm. Right. And so he's in this one. Well, you know, I... Before I left town, I don't know how I squeezed in Camelot, but I I was there. I looked for you. I didn't see you. Um, I had really fabulous seats. And, oh, well, um, I did too, but not not as good as you, I guess. But I looked for you too. I couldn't find you. But you were dead center. I okay. Here's the thing about the Muni this year. There. I'm afraid one of those cast members is going to fall through the orchestra pit. I, I'm, I know they're professionals. I know it. it's just there are also a lot of kids. I think I was worried that little boy was going to fall through the orchestra pit at the very end of the play. It, it's it's just it's there and it's unassuming and it's not. And I don't know. I, I fear for safety. Well, I know that you don't go on Facebook, but my review of Camelot produced a huge flurry of comments, pro and con. People and arguing? Did you, yes, did you set off a, a storm of comments? I did. I sent, uh, it's got like over 35 comments. And that's okay. pretty good for a show. A theater review. Uh, some people find the reimagining exciting and thrilling others do not um if you go to the muni facebook page the older season ticket holders had a fit that 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 guinevere was an a person of color as is said they're not saying that out loud um i didn't like guinevere oh you mean because she's african-american um they had uh uh, more many 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 people had issues with Lancelot being a tenor being a tenor not yeah. not because he's Asian American well, they didn't see <laughs> so so they so they're mad they're just looking for things they uh music people but another Is there, uh, isn't Lancelot supposed to be a bass baritone baritone okay fine well okay you know Robert Goulet right Ever I would leave you. Okay, so what I liked about it, people hate it. I loved the costumes. It was a combo of Game of Thrones and Mad Max and boy bands and dance wear, but I liked that it wasn't the big velvet brocade that they were and the tights. Yeah, King, King Arthur had some of that. Yeah, well, he had a light cape, I think, you know. But yeah, but the heavy stuff that I saw in 2009 when it was like 102 degrees outside and they're all poor. These poor guys are in tight. Oh, we saw, it on, we saw it on a beautiful night. Oh, I know. Our night was like spectacular. That's why I think I loved it. I love that music. The music to me was fine. They did excise a song, Follow Me, which I don't think makes, they, they took away Merlin. 
a lot of people didn't mind Merlin being gone, but they really minded King Pelinor being gone. And I didn't think it added anything. They have cut that Morgan Le Fay stuff out of the movie, out of the uh, 1980 Broadway revival. So that was no surprise. The fact well, and, that- And that- not only that, it's the, it's the fact that, you know, they cut Merlin out, but they mention him so often. Right. To me, it was fine. The book is by David Lee, who wrote Cheers and Wings and Frasier. Loved all those Emmys. shows. Mm-hmm. And uh, they didn't like that. He, now, to me, the original Camelot is very clunky in terms of its script. It was like two and a half hours long or three and a half hours. The three and a half hours long and all those soliloquies and everything. And so to me, he pared it down. I thought he strengthened the relationships. I thought the set was fine. It was functional. People really- It was very Hamilton-like. Yes. People didn't like that it was earthier and more rustic. They wanted the opulent trap, the regal trappings. But really outside, do we need that? I don't know. But people really were upset about the set very divided. It is very polarizing, this production. To me, it was bold. It was inventive. I like to see people do new things. I thought there was an energy to it, but man, did I get pushback. Okay. I can, I can see how you can, how people would uh, feel one way or another, because you know what, if they grew up with that and they like the 1967 movie and they, you know, they're they might be all about it well what did you think of it i liked it um the, i my daughter was upset that it wasn't spam a lot so she's like oh we're gonna go see camelot and I'm like it's not spam a lot spam a lot is a parody of all that and i think they realized that since spam a lot was so dead on that they changed a lot of that stuff to make it less cringeworthy in a 2020 decade well this is a very inclusive and diverse cast i'm not going to single out people but uh i will say that we do have a female knight yes and also but still called sir but spelled differently right and we have um sir thomas or not sir thomas but the page at the end Mm mm-hmm is right. a girl. Yeah. Yeah. And uh so I enjoyed uh Beth Crandall's choreography. I enjoyed uh the uh the way they staged the fighting, I thought was really sharp. And uh Guinevere fends off the first wave of uh, captors, which right. you never see that. No. Yeah. You know, and so I was like, hey, good for them. I thought Arthur was great. Uh, Robert, yes, he, he had a very he was very strong because he had to show the the uncertainty, the immaturity at first and then grow into the courage and then also be able to forgive. And it's the same old story. I think my line, my first line of my review was, OK, Boomer. This is not your generation's musical. You're right. And so many people wanted it to be that misty watercolor memory. Well, 
sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't and it's not not it's not for everybody i'm glad they tried something new yes well um this weekend i'm seeing assassins mm-hmm. and i'm very excited about that we talked about to the fly north guys last week about it yep. um there's a big fourth of july event going on well downtown of course fair st louis parade 10 a.m saturday and then we got the 90s music it's the 90s all over again third eye blind color me bad salt yes. is it salt and pepper i i don't know i've been out of town okay so that's the whole thing uh, uh downtown's going to be a little different only fireworks on mon only fireworks on monday night wow none of this three days of fireworks fireworks just, are expensive just monday night and then uh city museum is having this spectacular event from july 1st to july 10th but they're having this thing called night sky electric night sky and on uh 4th of july they are going to be open that evening and you can watch the fireworks from from the rooftop yep yeah it's a great idea i know i talked to our buddy julie lally yesterday she's a good uh, person yes she was filling me in about that so i think that's really exciting so what are you gonna do carly besides sleep and watch i'm going i'm gonna i'm gonna go see the uh i'm gonna see circus flora this weekend last weekend i know and then i'm going to go to uh one one possibly two parties this this weekend and i am going to sleep Uh uh-huh well, murder only murders in the building started again. And I hear Selena Gomez is fabulous. So I got to catch up on that. Uh, Maya Rudolph started loot on Apple, on Apple TV. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Baymax. I'm, I'm interested in that one as well, because I thought Big Hero 6 was really, really strong. But they already had a, a cartoon version of Big Hero 6 on Disney Channel. So I don't know what makes this one any different, but I'll find out and let you know. We'll find out. I guess I should dive into Ms. Marvel, shouldn't I? I'm I I'm my family patiently has waited to watch episode four with me. So I'm happy about that. And the it's the it is a very strong pilot. Let me say that it is a the pilot gives you so much to look forward to. And then they back off of what made the pilot so good in episode two. And in episode three is more story. So I'm interested in seeing and it's only six episodes, I believe. So I'm I'm I want to see where it goes from here. All right, young lady, where can we find you on the social? I am on all the socials. I have my pride cone photo of me with Clementines on Saturday. Oh. I mean, last Sunday with my flirty Shirley, you got to try mm-hmm. that flavor. And okay. then the gold standard midnight pleasures. So I'm holding my rainbow cone on Instagram. You can see me and I'm on, uh, I'm in poplifestl.com. I am on KTRS every Thursday evening and uh, with Ray after the 10 PM news. And then I am uh, on uh, in Webster Kirkwood Times and I am watching St. Louis Filmmaker Showcase because we're going to have next week, next Friday, we are having Chris Clark on to talk about the annual event. 
and we're having filmmaker Joey, Joey Puglio, who did the Hill documentary. He just did a Bosnian St. Louis focused documentary. Hmm. So Hill, everybody. So we're having him on too. So uh, tune in next week to hear more about the St. Louis Filmmakers Showcase. And Carl, where can we reach you? I am on Twitter and Instagram. Really not a lot. In fact, I've been on Facebook a lot this week because people were posting pictures of me with my fish. But I am on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Carl the Intern. The Mark Cox Morning Show Facebook page had uh, very picture very uh fish fishy fishy tales of my exploits on facebook you can hear me on the mark cox morning show monday through friday and you can hear me on second amendment radio and the great outdoors with mark and bo matthews on saturday and sunday sundays on camo x either before or after the ball game so i'm everywhere i'm on radio seven days a week except not this week because i was gone for five days but it's good to have you back, Carl. Thank Glad you. Glad to see you. And I look forward to your take on Thor, which we'll talk about next week. Love and thunder. All right, love and thunder. I'll see you later. Bye. Be good. Have a star-spangled fourth, everybody. Happy Enjoy birthday, your America. holiday weekend. <laughs>